This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome to It's All Political, the San Francisco Chronicle's political podcast. I'm Joe Garofoli, the Chronicle's senior political writer. And today on the podcast, we're talking about Nancy Pelosi. She took the next step to be Speaker of the House again when the Democrats nominated her to take her old job back. We're talking to the Chronicle's Washington correspondent, Tal Copen. She was in Washington today outside the closed door secret ballot meeting where the Democrats voted to uh, nominate Pelosi. Three of them didn't even vote yes or no on Pelosi. How gutless is that? We talk about that. We talk about what's next for Pelosi. Does she have the votes to, to become speaker? And we talk about Barbara Lee, the Oakland congresswoman who was also up for a leadership position. What happened to her? Next on It's All Political. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Tal, welcome back to It's All Political. Yeah, it's been too long. <laughs> <laughs> so you, it was a long day at the at the foot of democracy uh, today for you. Um, the top line here, Nancy Pelosi on her way to being the next Speaker of the House. But you got to walk us through the math here. So she got 203 votes in this closed-door meeting today. That's right. She needs 218 to win. Mostly. Uh, 32, yeah, 32 Democrats voted against her. Three were incredible wusses and handed in <laughs> blank ballots. And one Democrat was, was absent. Right. Walk us through the math here. How, is, this, is, this, uh, is she going to be the next speaker? So most people will tell you that she is. And that's probably the good money at this point. And it's sort of, this is sort of the, one of those weird Washington things, you know, where like today was sort of a glove touching. It was sort of a you know, a, a whip counting moment. But what really matters is in January, the vote on the House floor. And the magic number is 218 with an asterisk, because thanks to the magic of House rules, if, for example, not all of the eligible members on the House floor end up casting a vote, then you technically only have to win a majority of the votes. So just to add confusion to the math problem we're about to go into, just keep that in mind. But what happens in caucus is it's sort of an opportunity to register discontent in a safe way. So all Pelosi needs to move forward from the vote behind closed doors that took place uh, on the Capitol Hill today 
was a majority. So that gives any member that told their constituents, I am going to oppose Nancy Pelosi, I'm going to vote against her, I'm going to register my opposition. It gives them sort of carte blanche to do that. Uh, And it's a secret ballot as well. So no one who doesn't want to admit how they voted has to sort of be outed um, for the arm twisters. So it's a pretty safe space to register discontent. And while it sounds like 203, she's still pretty short of where she needs to be on the floor and her opponents will declare this a victory in terms of showing discontent. You have to remember that in 2016, when she was running for a majority leader, her opponent actually got more than 60 votes against her behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. And then on the floor, even though she didn't need the votes on the floor to be minority leader, all but four Democrats voted for her for speaker in opposition to Paul Ryan, who eventually won. So it's really common to see members behind closed doors register their discontent, declare their no vote that they promised to declare, and then on the House floor justify it in any number of ways, including I'd rather vote for her than a Republican. (laughs) More profiles and courage coming from (laughs) our nation's capital. So what I loved about the ballot today, since she had no named opponent, was that you could vote for Nancy Pelosi or you could vote no. Right. So as you just said, it gives people an a say they could say the 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 folks who are these newcomers and some some incumbents who said I want to I will I promise to vote against Pelosi, they could vote no. Right. Which is <laughs> and and the reason you're giggling it is because they had to create this ballot just for this race because typically you don't actually vote yes or no. You have either no one in opposition, in which case, you know, they just sort of take a voice. Does everyone agree? I and they move on. Or if someone requests a recorded vote, which was what happened in this case. So, uh, you know, her opponents requested that votes be recorded. Typically, you're putting a name on a piece of paper, but because she has no declared opponent, they actually made the decision to offer this yes, no ballot. And it, it's sort of a, a little, you know, amusing thing among the Capitol Hill press corps that all these, uh, you know, freshmen or candidates all sort of said, I will vote against Nancy Pelosi. I will vote no on Nancy Pelosi. All along, there is no such thing as a no vote against Nancy Pelosi. When it gets to the floor, there is no no option. You just cast a vote for someone. Uh, so, you know, you get a lot of scrums up here with the members who have said, oh, I've pledged to vote no. And, and the press is sort of saying, but, but that's not an option. <laughs> what are you, what are you going to do on the floor? So that's why the way that they designed the ballot today is just an extra layer in this saga. <laughs> I love it. So, and there still is no someone. No. There's not, there's, and do you see any signs of a, an actual human being emerging as an opponent to Nancy Pelosi I mean, in terms of a Democrat. If there was a day to declare, it was probably today. Uh, I mean, look, before Pelosi uh, struck a deal with Marsha Fudge, uh, who was the only person who has even mused about challenging her, uh, which happened over Thanksgiving week, Fudge was telling us on the Hill that she could wait until January that, you know, theoretically, you can announce a floor campaign at any point. 
So there's no rule that someone had to declare by today in order to run against her. Right. That said, there is no one, uh, pretty much everyone whose name has been floated by her opponents as a possible challenger has already declared their support for her. Uh, the few opponents that have been sort of the diehard outspoken folks running or folks sort of organizing this effort to block her have all said, oh, but I'm not running. Um, then there's the, you know, five white guys hashtag issue that a lot of the the folks who are explain, crisp, explain, explain, yeah, explain what that means. To you. I'm getting there. That means. Yeah. <laughs> so the folks who are, you know, opposing Pelosi are mostly men. Uh, there are two women who signed on to the letter opposing her. Uh, but mm-hmm. the, the ringleaders are mostly men and mostly white. And there's been a criticism, a backlash against them, that they are trying to sink the first woman to ever be Speaker of the House uh, from getting that position back on the back of an election where women were a huge factor in terms of the vote and in terms of running for office in numbers we've never seen before. Right. It's a bad luck in 10, 10 different ways. Right. And so, you know, I, depending on how closely you've been following, I mean, the the hashtag was trending and then one of the organizers, uh, Ohio representative, Tim Ryan started floating women's names as a way of saying, you know, if you want a woman, there are there are plenty of women who could run. And all of those women that he was floating have backed Nancy Pelosi, uh, one of the only outspoken women who's organizing uh, the anti-Pelosi effort, Kathleen Rice. Uh, we spoke with her again today after the vote. She said she has never been willing to run. So there really isn't anyone who seems to be willing to go against her. And, you know, you've already seen some of the people who said that they would be hesitant to support her putting out statements saying there's no one else and I'm not going to vote for a Republican. So that's, there you go. that's well, that's, that works. That works as a vote for Pelosi. Now she did cut some last minute deals. Uh, she's been, she's been doing this for the last several days, but it's last minute deals explained, uh, you know, in, in, in English, because I, I don't understand the, 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 the way it was presented by this group called the Problem Solver Caucus. Yeah. This is a, it's a bipartisan group, correct? Yeah. And, and, and they asked for some things, some promises from her in exchange for their support. Ex- explain what happened with them. That's right. So this is a group of total roughly four dozen uh, Republicans and Democrats who sort of represent a centrist, middle of the road kind of group. Uh, Not all of them have signed on to this effort, but in part with backing from an outside political spending and advocacy group called No Labels, they put forward the set of proposals that they said, they call it their break the gridlock package. They say these proposals will help make it easier for the House to legislate. Uh, And they said they would not support any speaker candidate, the Republicans and the Democrats, who did not back this proposal. So they've been sort of negotiating back and forth. Basically, what it is designed to do is bypass leadership at times to move legislation. So certainly under Republicans, but not exclusively under Republicans, you can design the House to be very closed. And that is how it has been under Boehner and Ryan, where basically nothing gets to the floor if they don't say, okay, we're bringing it to the floor. Mm -hmm. And there are all sorts of levers you can pull 
to basically make the legislation that comes to the floor for a vote exactly what you want it to be and block the rank and file members from, from diverting from that plan. These proposals are sort of designed to make that a little bit less absolute. So it's things like a bill has to come to the floor if X number of you know, lawmakers, about I think two thirds of them, sign on to it uh, as sponsors. So it, you know, there's legislation that's sitting out there right now that has more than 300 members of the House already signed on as sponsors, which is well beyond the number that would need to pass. Uh, but it's not called for a vote because leadership doesn't want it to come forward. So the, the rules that they sort of worked out are, are designed to grease the wheels a little bit. And also it's, you know, smaller things, but guaranteeing that members can get bills at least heard in committee. Uh, even that is controlled by the committee chairs traditionally. So it, it's, you know, it's, it's really sort of in the weeds. But at the end of the day, what it's really designed to do is give members an opportunity to go home to their districts and say, I got a vote on X piece of legislation. Or, you know, even if the the majority supporting a bill is not the same majority as running the House, a bill can still go up for a vote. Right. And those things don't cost Pelosi anything. No. Um, so uh, of our California representatives, I know it's still early and you're, you've still been talking to a lot of people. Uh, everybody pretty much, as far as we know, had, was supporting Pelosi uh, going into this, except for Gil Cisneros, who is a uh, freshman, incoming freshman from uh, Orange County. Uh, and we don't know about uh, Josh Harder. Another, That's right. Uh, is, that, is that the only outstanding person we know? I, I have not seen anything about TJ Cox either, who just won <laughs> the race today, but he, <laughs> uh, I'm told was allowed to vote uh, in leadership elections simply based on the fact that his his race seemed to be going in that direction. Um, but so Cisneros has signed on to the uh, the infamous opposition letter, the letter declaring that under no circumstances will these members support Pelosi uh, on the floor. So he it was sort of a late addition. He's the only Californian, si- uh, incoming Californian, signed on to that letter. Uh, the the rest of the group, minus Harder and Cox, have signed on to a supportive letter for Pelosi declaring that they will back her. Uh, I spoke with uh, Josh Harder earlier today about an hour before the Pelosi vote was to take place and asked him if he had an update for us. He told me he was still keeping an open mind. Uh, but as, as he walked into the meeting, <laughs> yes, but said in it which was she had no simpler, opponent. Go ahead. Yes. Right. He said it was simpler given that there was uh, no one running against Pelosi. But it is interesting. He has avoided taking a position either way on her uh, to this point. And we don't know how he voted uh, behind closed doors because it's a secret ballot. And he doesn't have to reveal that if he doesn't. Yeah, he was very cagey during the campaign yeah. when, when we asked him, we would ask him about that. He goes, oh, it's time for new leadership, but he never, never commented on Pelosi. All the news was not good for uh, uh, Democratic members of Congress seeking leadership positions today. Uh, Barbara Lee, yeah, the longtime congresswoman from uh, my home city of Oakland, um, was running for the number five position. Number five in the new Congress, yes. In the new Congress, and she did not win. She lost to 
Congressman Hakeem Jeffries. Um, afterwards, she told you that there was some institutional uh, barriers to that. You pressed her on it, and she said essentially it was ageism and sexism uh, going up uh, that that helped bring her down. Tell us about why Barbara Lee lost. That's right, and it was an extremely close race. I mean, as we wrote in in the Chronicle, I mean, it was arguably the the most competitive and interesting race in leadership, despite all the yes. ink that has been spilled on the Pelosi race. Uh, it it was decided by ten votes, and you could tell that there were some hurt feelings uh, coming out of that. And and the background noise to this is that she lost by two votes in 2016 uh, in a bid for a leadership spot. So, you know, she, she was sort of asked, do you think sexism and ageism came to play? She said, absolutely. And, you know, she would have been the first African-American woman ever elected into House leadership if she'd won. So her her campaign was groundbreaking in that sense, but falling short, she said, you know, it's something women of color experience quite a bit. Uh, she And, you know, I also caught up with Jackie Spear, who's another Bay Area congresswoman. She said, you know, if, if Barbara Lee believes sexism came to play, I certainly believe it. She also acknowledged that it could be other things, including the fact that there's already a Californian in leadership. Uh, and, you know, Hakeem Jeffries is from New York, so it's sort of a different um, regional area. But Spear and he's also, also Afri- African-American, we should say. Yes, he, yes. Jeffries is, yes. Yes. Uh, he's a fellow Congressional Black Caucus uh, member. Um, but Spear also, you know, it went a little bit further than Lee on, on sort of the dismay because she said Lee believed she was going to win according to the, the whip count they were, you know, carrying out. And so some members must have told Lee and Jeffries both that they would vote for them or told Lee they would vote for her and then didn't. Uh, and Shock, Spear, shocking, isn't it? That, yeah. That, and, uh, that uh, someone would do that. Yeah, a, Spear, a member of Congress would do that. <laughs> Spear was actually pretty frustrated by it and said that members should have the courage to vote on a recorded ballot with their names because of, you know, what she called a game that some members were playing. And, uh, you know, it was certainly a a difficult race, but at the same time, even with the comments Lee made about, you know, the institutional barriers, she also gave a unifying speech after Jeffries was named the, the winner and said how important it was for everyone to come together. And a lot of members talked about the fact that they really had two good choices. It was not a, you know, bad choice in the bunch, uh, but it was certainly, I think, an emotional day for her and some of her supporters and yeah. coming up short. So the other members uh, of leadership will remain the same, correct? Do, do we see any other changes coming there? Uh, none, none of the other top leaders who are all in their what, 70s and uh, yeah. early 80s at this point uh, have any opposition. So is that going to be enough to to keep the uh, the, the freshmen uh, happy, or are they going to be uh, trying to stir? That they want more out of this. Well, this is kind of a it's you know there's a lot of touchy <laughs> subjects in this. So the top three: uh, Pelosi, followed by Marilyn Steny Hoyer, followed by South Carolina's Jim Clyburn. Uh, they're all in their seventies, and they have, as a group, been in leadership for sixteen years. Uh, without any changes at the top. So those top three look to be the same top three. Now, and that, and, you know, Hoyer and Clyburn 
ended up being elected unimposed. And, and several of the critics who see sexism in the effort to oust Pelosi point to that and say, you know, why aren't you as upset about Hoyer and Clyburn and, and clamoring for them to leave as you are about Pelosi? Although, you know, Hoyer and Clyburn only need a majority to retain their positions, whereas Pelosi needs the floor vote, which is the only thing that really gives her opponents any leverage. So that partly explains it. So those three remain the same. Uh, because in the majority you pick up the speaker, there's an extra leadership spot. So what would have been, so Hoyer was whip. Now he is majority leader. Clyburn was assistant Democratic leader. Now he's whip. So then comes uh, Ben Ray Lujan, who ran the campaign effort mm -hmm. uh, in, the, in the last cycle. He is now going to be the assistant majority leader. And then comes chair, which was the Jeffries-Lee race. Uh, so that's really, the, you had to get to number five to have a contested race uh, and someone new moving into leadership. And, and Jeffries is widely seen as a potential future speaker. Now having secured this spot, that really gives him a launching pad to when the three septuagenarians do eventually step aside. Um, well, well put with that. Sep I don't think I've ever attempted to even say that word out loud. <laughs> oh, we say it a lot up here on Capitol Hill. <laughs> because you can't, you can't say old, right? You can't say, because saying old is bad. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, there's several septuagenarians and octogenarians uh, up here on Capitol Hill. <laughs> Excellent. Tala, thanks so much. Thank you. I'd like to thank all of you for listening to today's podcast. I'd like to thank uh, Tal uh, for being my guest on today's podcast. I'd like to thank the King, King Kaufman, for producing today's podcast. And remember, no matter if you are running to be Speaker of the House or too gutless to even vote yes or no on who should be Speaker of the House, it's all political. It's All Political is part of the San Francisco Chronicle podcast network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcast. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter at Joe Garofoli, J-O-E-G-A-R-O-F-O-L-I, or you can email me at jgarofoli at sfchronicle.com. Support It's All Political and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.